AT&T ThreatTrack is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. From week to week on this show, the types of stories that we bring up, clearly there's never a, a lull in the uh, amount of stories that we're seeing that are hitting the, the security world. Clearly this week is no different. All right, so Manny, uh, you know, we all know about these voice-enabled products like Siri and Alexa, and it sounds like there's an interesting new, I guess, vulnerability maybe that's out there. I'm not sure if I would call it a vulnerability yet, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely against voice assistants. Right. So I think we all know today, you know, the voice assistants that are out there, you know, your uh, Googles and your, your Siri's and your uh, Alexa's. And apologize for anybody who's watching this who I just tripped up there their voice uh, voice assistant. Oh, right. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this story talks about this team of researchers from, uh, it, they're from, I'm going to perhaps butcher this, but Zhejiang University in China. Okay. And they did this research, and the paper's called uh, Dolphin Attack, Inaudible Voice Commands. Um, and they basically just had a premise, like, hey, you know, could we possibly enable our voice assistants to pick up uh, basically inaudible to humans commands right. and get them to actually you know, uh, execute so those commands. So frequencies humans can't hear. Exactly. So, but a device can still hear right. it. So frequencies, you're talking about frequencies over 20 kilohertz. Right. What they found was that the assistant will actually hear these commands and actually execute those commands. They were able to, one, visit a malicious website. They were also able to spy on the user by initiating uh, ongoing uh, voice and phone calls. They were able to also tell the voice assistant to text perhaps somebody that they, you know, with fake information right, or right. perhaps even post something to Facebook that was incorrect or right, fake. Right. Right. This one's kind of a stretch, I think, but they say impose a denial of service. What they call posing an a denial of service, they actually mean put the phone into airplane mode, which in essence causes uh, a denial of service on the phone. Yeah. I, like so, I said, a little bit of a stretch. Unless you're not but, paying attention. Right. But, yeah. Right. And then conceal these attacks by dimming the screen and lowering the volume of the device. They were also able to go against some of the voice assistants that are in automobiles today as well. Oh, so, you okay. know, we have, our cars now also have voice assistants, so they actually tested it against that. So changing the destination in your GPS <laughs> was one of the things that they also tested and was, were capable of doing as well. There are a couple of things that are caveats to this that make it a little more difficult for somebody to actually um, use this. The attacker needs to be very close proximity to the, you know, whatever the handheld user is in. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Microphone has to be able to pick you up, so you have to be close enough. Also, on most devices, the phone has to be unlocked to take in okay. commands. Okay. And then, you know, again, if you're in proximity to somebody and somebody's on their phones and they have it unlocked, clearly, if you send a command to it, the phone is going to react to the command. Right. So there's going to be a visual that's going to give it potentially away, right. right? So if I'm sitting on the subway and I'm like playing on my phone, I've got it unlocked, right. and you send, you're next to me and you send me the thing, I'm going to see. 
something right. happen on my phone, and I'll be like, what the heck? Right. You know, right. I, I didn't say that. Exactly. Okay. So those those are those are some of the caveats that you have to have. You have to be in proximity, and there's a, there's a lot of you know sort of variables that have to be in place in order for you for your that attack potentially to be successful. Right. I don't think it's something that you know the general public really needs to worry about. If somebody is out there using this, it's going to be very very targeted, uh, and again, you know, hard to you know hard to propagate. So they talk about like how you would test this yourself, like what kind of hardware you would need or uh, yeah. Could you so, just... so it was interesting, yes. Yeah. So they actually mentioned in the article that the hardware that they, that you would need in order to perpetrate this mm -hmm. is like a $3 device that you basically hook up to your, to your phone that would enable you to actually create, to change the, the commands that you're sending into this like ultrasonic, ultrasonic, right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was wondering if you could just do it with Audacity or some other tool to just... Perhaps. I don't really know. I don't, I'm don't. i not Perhaps. good with sound. Yeah. Honest, you know? <laughs> but it's interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about that, but it makes sense yeah. that, um, you know, that's a possible attack. And, like, teenagers can hear frequencies yes. that adults can't. And as you get older, your, the, your ability to hear higher frequencies goes down. Right. So, um, or even other animals can hear higher frequencies right. than we can. Um, so why can't a phone and why couldn't you use that as a kind of covert means to communicate with a device? It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's what they call it, dolphin attack. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's okay. why, yeah, they right. like the, the little twist or whatever on, on the words and make it the a... little squeaky chirps that right. dolphins make. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. At this point, it's not a, per se vulnerability, it's a research topic. But at the same time, I think uh, some of the vendors are uh, already taking a look at it. I think right now what we're seeing is just kind of the entry into this. Again, very research-oriented this paper was. You know, I don't think the big makers like Apple and Google are going off and, you know, really going to, you know, start to provide patches for any of this stuff. I think they'll certainly start to look at it. Certainly it's going to go onto their radar to look at, and per perhaps there are some things that they can do to mitigate this on the back end. All right, so Ganesh, you're looking at a story, uh, I guess it's kind of like point and click ransomware for yeah. mobile devices. They have some new developer kits that make it, it real it's, easy. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. They have uh, kind of software development kits. Uh, we can call it, you know, Trozer development kits. You can build your own ransomware for Android. Any user without any technical background and coding experience can go and grab this specific app and follow the instructions on the screen, you know, and uh, anybody can create a ransomware for Android. It's not so much the ransomware itself, it's the method by which the ransomware is created. People with absolutely no coding skills whatsoever can go in, purchase, you know, and customize a piece of ransomware that they now can use. The options you can customize is uh, the type of, you know, the message, and the message in the sense once you... What they have to do to... Yeah, like instructions right. to follow. They also produce the key. Key in the sense is actually pin to unlock the device because it's a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. uh, they also have a little bit of uh, basically, you know, randomization with the variants to build. I think they're following here again software development model. Oh, so like from executable to executable, executable that gets built, there's some variation that 
might trip up antivirus yes. a little bit? Okay. So that it's not easy to reverse engineer some, you know, basically in a malware analysis okay. to figure it out what's really going on. But this can be done less than a time I talked about. Basically, you click on the download the app, follow the instructions, you pick what you want, how much money you want. Uh, this is so easy. Obviously, the process is made as easy as possible. So the only thing that's left after this whole thing is how do you deliver it? You pay the price, but now, now it's on you to go ahead and de deliver this. So I'm assuming they delivered to you in some sort of APK or? Oh, it will be like an app. If you go to, instead of going to the trusted sources, you know, the Play Store, the Google Store, and Apple has stores. Right. If you go to questionable websites, you know, probably you will get it. Right. right, but I so think uh, that would it's be, a trust. Yeah, right. That would be the thing I would tell people is don't install apps from Un untrustworthy right. sites, which is a little bit easier to sideload apps on mm -hmm. Android than it is on iOS. Because you try to upload this to the Google Play Store, I'm going to guess they're going to like squash yeah. them immediately. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's right. going to have to be on like these third-party um, app stores and stuff like that. Yeah, that and you like you said on, on on forums and you know, I think that those are the kinds of places where people are like, you know, they make entries into forums that say, "Oh, hey, you want to you want to download the latest um, you know, uh, movie streamer. Here, here's an APK and you call it, you know, best movie downloader, right. you know, dot .apk. Or a hacked version <laughs> of some game that right. gives you whatever, some extra extra right. credits or yeah, something, something exactly. like that. And then yeah. yeah, and then you get them to to mm -hmm. download us and and obviously you get them. But, but the takeaway is it's so easy. We may see, you know, actually surging in different variants of ransomware because there is absolutely there's no technical background needed. Right. I mean, coming to the best practices, as we always tell about the ransomware, I think uh, already we discussed, don't get any apps from untrustworthy sources. Mm -hmm. Need to have a good verified backups. Just having backups is not good enough. Uh, maybe some sort of, uh, I'm guessing, you know, mobile-based antivirus security-related right. solutions. And they have some for Android, yes. so yeah. you're better off there than maybe in the iOS space. iOS but, space. Um, right, that's a good suggestion. You know, again, I don't know how random you can actually make your piece of ransomware, but hopefully the, the antivirus makers today can find some way to start picking it up, Yeah. regardless of what you know, what variant gets pushed out of this particular app. My concern would be that the barrier to entry is very low yeah. into getting into the ransomware game. True. Yep. Um, whereas, you know, previously you had to have some kind of knowledge to know how to build an app, how to do some coding, but this is kind of point and click. Yeah. Just build it for me. I fill out a form of what I want it to look like and do, and it builds it for me and then I can distribute it. So right. it makes it really easy. The ease of useness maybe, you know, invite lots of, you know, young users, even for the sake of trying it. You know, you try and see how it works, you know, that also causes some sort of damage. Mm -hmm. So it actually increases the surface of the attack, actually. Right, right. Yeah, yeah hopefully yeah, it's not a trend that we're going to continue to see more and more advanced, right. whatever, what's it called? A, TDK? Oh, was that yeah, Trojan Development Trojan Kit. Trojan Development Kit. Hopefully we don't see more and more of those uh, in the mobile space, but you never know. You right. never know. So. I hope to. <laughs> it's so simple. I mean, it's scary at the same time because, uh, you know, the surgent of ransomware may increase because of this existence of a specific app. All right, guys. So I guess we'll take a look at the internet weather uh, for this week. 
And this is the most probe ports. This is like all scanning activity across the board. And uh, normally I don't pay too much attention to this chart. However, we had a couple of things rise to the top that I think warrant a little bit more attention. So port 8080 TCP jumped up seven positions and port 8545 TCP uh, jumped up 10 positions. We'll take a look at a chart on those uh, in a minute and get a little bit more discussion on them. Uh, but let's just jump ahead to the most sources probing. This is the one I typically tend to focus more attention on because it's usually more indicative of um, many machines scanning on ports at once. So it's usually an indicator of botnet related activity. And as we can see, 23 TCP, Telnet, we know that that's a lot of those uh, IoT embedded Linux devices we see all the time. We've talked about it for years. 445 TCP is risen back to the top or near the top. That's related to the WannaCry ransomware and some of these other vulnerabilities. And then uh, 5358 TCP is up there now in the top 10. It usually is not, and it's resurfaced again. It's one of these mystery ports. We're gonna take a closer look at that one as well. And a lot of the other ones, not really surprising. So let's take a look at some of the, uh, some of the ports that we, we did call out specifically. So port 8080 TCP, uh, this is the scan probes on it, not number of scan SIPs. So this is just in mass, like how much scanning activity in general. And really there's not a lot of actors, well, there's, there's always a con constant stream of actors scanning on 8080 TCP but there's not a whole bunch of actors responsible for uh, this big spike over here. So it's kind of not a spike that we traditionally look at or see with botnet traffic, but you can see there's kind of a noise floor, there's some spikiness here, and you can see there's definitely a much more concentrated, prolonged amount of scanning that has occurred on 8080 TCP. A lot of times, port 8080 is used for administrative web interfaces. That's probably what people are searching for. Also proxy servers, yep. so could be that. And this recent spike is primarily from a very small number of sources in France. So, and it's actually like a web hosting kind of company in France. So it's probably, it's probably not good, but it's not a whole lot of people doing it. So, um, but just something to keep in mind if you have that port exposed for something of yours. Tomcat is another one. There's a lot of these, like that's an administrative interface that is exposed on port 8080. If you use those types of things, you should be mindful of whether they're exposed to the internet or not, because uh, you probably don't want them to be. This one was interesting. So when I saw 8545, I think you mentioned to me before we started, Ganesh, you're like, what, the, what is that? And I yeah. said the same thing. I, I, it's not familiar to me, uh, 8545. It's actually unassigned. There is nobody registered for this port. And I have a 90-day chart here. So you can kind of see there really wasn't much of anything. Um, and again, this is scan probes. This is not, it's 20 million scan probes per hour, about 10 million, 20 million constantly. Then it jumped up here to, you know, maybe peaks of like 70 million. Um, but now we're getting another big resurgence up here. And that's only within the past uh, three days or something that it really mm -hmm. almost doubled in the amount of scan probes that we see on this port. It's a pretty consistent number right there for a good amount of months. Right, because right? there's very few actual sources involved in this scanning when you actually look at it. So you have a very small number, like a handful, let's say less than 100, yep. involved in this scanning. Um, and then when they do it, they're doing it you know, at consistent levels, whereas with botnets, you get tens of thousands of devices yep. at once doing it. 
So when I looked, EMC2 Legato, which is like a backup, backup. tool, um, has been known to use this port. iTunes Radio Stream has been known to use this port. And then another product that I'd never heard of before called Ethereum, uh, which is a Bitcoin Related. type wallet. It's like a distributed Bitcoin wallet. And I didn't really read up on it entirely other than finding out that it uses that port as part of its service. When I looked at the sources, there's a very small number of them scanning on this, a few in the US, a few in Russia, and that's it. So then I looked in our honeypot. So the US sources I found interesting because they do this post request, kind of a goofy post request because they're missing a lot of things like a user agent, they're missing a host field, missing a lot of things, but it is a JSON object that they send. So they're posting a JSON object to whoever, whoever's gonna listen. When I looked up this string, this is Ethereum. So Ethereum, like I said, it's some kind of distributed Bitcoin wallet thing that I don't really know much about, but that could just be like normal peer discovery related to Ethereum. That's my guess. Or it could be somebody looking specifically for it. Maybe they know something about it or they know a vulnerability about it that I, nobody else knows. Right. I'm not really sure. The Russian sources are doing something different, which I thought was interesting. And I actually thought there might be a bug so I was trapping more traffic to make sure I didn't have a bug in our honeypot, but what I see is what I see. And I'll point out why this is weird. So they're doing a post. At least they have a correct host field. They have a real user agent field or a relative, yeah, I have a user agent field at all. They're specifying a content length of 66, but there's no content. So I thought that was strange. So that's why I was like, is this making a mistake? Or is my honeypot making a mistake? Or are they making a mistake? I think they might be making a mistake. Um, whatever these devices are doing. And what their intent is, I don't know. Maybe they're also trying to find Ethereum stuff, but they're not getting the JSON uh, object pushed into the body here. I'm not sure. But uh, still to be figured out in any event. So that's one to keep an eye on, I guess, because uh, we have seen some increased traffic on there. And if anybody knows, please chime in. Send us an email. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if this activity remains over the next couple of weeks, see if. Right, if it's, especially if it stays up in the top 10, right. because we had never seen it up in there. It's probably, it's the first time I have seen it bubble up to the top. I think it's, uh, uh, at this time, it seems to be related to some sort of IoT related malware, uh, but the jury is still out. I think uh, we will come up with more answers in the coming weeks as we learn more about this board. So then kind of rounding out, these are the ones that are related to botnet related activity. This is a five-year chart. I've been doing these really long-term charts, especially for ports that we've seen being scanned for a long period of time to kind of get a, kind of a good idea of the trend involved in them. And a lot of this is decay from Conficker and some of these other families of malware. But then when the shadow brokers released the uh, dump of these exploits like Eternal Blue, Eternal Romance, Eternal Synergy, and then WannaCry started using it, uh, right where this very significant spike comes out here. That's when WannaCry was initially, the initial outbreak occurred. Since that time, we've seen you know, this escalation of more and more scan sources. So we went from what I thought was a good trend of getting downward of around 10,000 scan sources per hour as kind of our base floor to now we're back up to even above where we were five years ago. So we're up at like 45,000 scan sources per hour as WannaCry and some of these other families of malware that use these vulnerabilities 
um, are trying to spread themselves. Uh, and that's kind of important. WannaCry is a worm. You know, it, it acts like a worm and by finding devices listening on port 445, infecting them, and then that one will start to find others and infect them. Yeah, and as, as in typical worms, anybody who's dealing with it will immediately know how difficult it is actually to control it. So yeah. once, once you have a box out there, because of its worm abilities, it, you know, it, finds, it finds the next host that is yeah. potentially vulnerable pretty quickly right. based, on, so based on the way that WannaCry works. patching policies, yeah. especially in your enterprise. So get everything patched. Yep. Because if you don't, if you have small pockets, just one can start going and find all the others that aren't patched also. And, they'll, yep. they'll, uh, and then they create a lot of noise on your network because yep. they get really busy scanning uh, and trying to break into other machines as part of their worm worming process. So, yeah, you're right. It is very it's, difficult. It's really interesting to see, you know, actually from the configure levels, they came down, kind of normalized. I mean, they were at the lowest levels, in, at, I think, uh, at the end of last year, last quarter, and up to yeah. first quarter. Right, beginning and of then, this year, really, yeah. yeah. And then again, actually, really spiked up at least four times. Yeah. Compared to the last five years. It's kind years. of disappointing because it, yeah. it, it did really come all the way yeah. down, right? Yeah. From, and when it was back in the Configur days, which is even before where this chart really is, yeah. you know, it was probably way up here and it's come down, 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 and it's gradually gone all the way down. And I, I'll bet that we continue to see this go up before it goes down again. So make sure you have your devices patched. Um, I think most enterprises do. The people who are probably not patching our home users or people who have illegal copies of Microsoft Windows that are, you know, right. not really getting the patches maybe because it's not a legitimate copy. And then lastly, our mystery port. Still don't really have a clear concept of why this is. Been trying to capture um, in our honeypots any of these attempts coming in, but I haven't been able to do so successfully yet. But this goes back a, a full year, and back at the end of last year, in the December timeframe, we had some amount of scanning, like around 7,000 scan sources on this port 5358, and it's, it went from nothing to a whole bunch, and then back to nothing again, and then it took off, and it went all the way up to like 60,000 scan sources per hour, which is a lot. That's a lot of scan sources per hour to see, because it's probably hundreds of thousands when you put them across uh, a daily time frame in terms of unique source IPs. It had since come down, and these kinds of patterns of this is a real botnet-like kind of decay pattern. So it went and went and went until it stopped again, and then it started to come up again. So I don't really have a good explanation for it. Some people have theorized that it might be related to the Light Hydra botnet, which is Another family of malware for these IoT embedded Linux devices, but I'm not convinced. I like to actually see the actual packets and see what they're trying to do, um, and I haven't been able to do that yet. So purpose is still unknown on this one, and I guess we'll just try to keep looking at it and study it. Hopefully we'll get a chance before it goes away again, assuming it does go away again. Right. Even if you capture the traffic, it's not that you, you'll be able to tell, perhaps? but it's, uh, clearly it'll give you a better chance right, of understanding right. what this actually is. So I know having unknowns like this are somewhat bothersome for you. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't like having unknowns. So almost everything else we can explain. Right. Usually this one's kind of persisted for a while and I haven't been able to explain 
what it is um, or why it's there. So it'd be a good one to figure out for yeah. sure, just so we can sleep at night. Yeah. With the rise of you know, connected things, there are so many connected things, there's always something coming up. It's also sometimes, you know, even though the specific malware or botnet is dormant for some time, if they have some updates or revisions, there's a possibility it may come up. Some of the stories we're talking about, sort of researchy, but again, you know, we've seen researchy things in the past turn into full-blown vulnerabilities, you know, down the road. And then, you know, obviously today what we're seeing is, again, another story that's talking about the ease at which now potential bad actors out there can get their hands on malicious, you know, um, you know, files um, and malicious campaigns that they now can launch to make money for themselves. So, you know, we're seeing that sort of making it much more, much easier for the layman to just, you know, boot up their machine or, or, or get onto their phone and download something to potentially start making money. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.